Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. I'm Dustin Nation. We are your guide in the roller coaster that is SC Dallas fandom. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about a little bit of news uh, off the pitch uh, and then seeing what happened up in Vancouver as SC Dallas traveled up there and got a, a they, they lost one to nothing. We'll be talking about that match. And here with me to talk about it is Jonathan Ross. How's it going, Jonathan? It's going uh, pretty good. Uh, much like the Lucci announcement, we are recording this during a Cowboys game. So, you know, just to make sure to get the, the full value out of it. Well, it's, it's a good thing. We, now we can mess up and no one will know. At least we have an edit button, Dustin. So, you know, we're, we're all right. The way the night's going, we may be on that edit button quite often. And we'll, we'll, probably have, we'll probably have more content uh, than the uh, than the Lucci press conference did because I'm I'm pretty sure that it was – uh, the same two questions asked in ten different ways with uh, with no real answers. So gonna make your goal is the playoffs. That's right. And our goal on the Dallas Soccer Show is to entertain you and provide some insight into how we think about FC Dallas. Uh, and so let's let's get started. Uh, let's get started with some news. Um, Jonathan, you want to run us down through all the things that have happened off the field? Yeah. So, so one is uh, kind of more league wide. Uh, I think it was about a week ago, there was an announcement from both Liga MX and MLS around the introduction of a new Nations League in 2023 and an expanded uh, CONCACAF Champions League uh, starting 2024. And I'd uh, like to say no relation between me and that league. That's right. If anybody was confused, this is not the Dustin Nations League, but apparently it's the League of Nations. Isn't that, isn't that, that like something from history class? I think so. I think so. But before we get <laughs> lost in puns, um, so I, I think I've mentioned, you know, the, the iteration of the Nations League that's happening this year with League MX and MLS. I've not really paid a lot of attention to because it's to, to me, it feels a bit made up. And there's you know, you want a trophy at the end that really doesn't mean much. Uh, one of the nice things about what I've seen them announce for 2023 was I mean, it's going to be a true stop down. Uh, no, no games for either MLS or La Liga or Liga MX. Sorry, uh, during the during the timeline, um, and everybody gets to participate. And coming out of that, it's going to be probably about a month of play between the the two leagues, uh, starting in group stage and then moving into more of a traditional head to head matchup. The winners of that automatically automatically make it to the round of 16 for CONCACAF Champions League the final the next year, uh, and the second and third place teams make it into the uh, the overall CONCACAF Champions League tournament. Uh, so it's there, there's actually a purpose other than saying I won Nations League. Uh, it actually gets you into the the CCL tournament, which I think is probably the bigger piece. Which one gets you to be the home team at the MLS All Star Game? Uh, I think that is. Is there really something there for the? the no, I just okay. thinking, I, was, I was like, I was like, I did not see that footnote, Dustin. Well, I mean, if you're going to do Elite MX and MLS, I, I, I think that the uh, the All Star Game for MLS will probably always be in the U.S. Uh, 
Right. But which right. team hosts it? I don't know. So I think it's the, the, the team with the biggest new shiny uh, stadium. I think that's how they, how they decide it. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that's, that's exciting. Some little, some, it, some it'll, extra it'll competition. Us, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a much more condensed season once it gets there. Obviously we've got a couple of years before then. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting for them to, to, to stop then. Uh, and then, you know, if it's a normal year, there'll be open cup. And then, you know, after the off season, we'll get that CCL starting up again, probably about the time that MLS is in preseason. So, uh, it's going to make for a lot more games, at least for the teams that are competitive. What to me will be even more interesting is for those teams that drop out early. I mean, they're going to get, you know, is there going to be three or four weeks off or is the league going to do some, um, secondary tournament or, or <laughs> consolation or <what>? tournament, <laughs> a consolation tournament, something, uh, cause that's a long time to, to not play, uh, any soccer in the middle of a season. So. Yeah, I'm sure they'll line up some friendlies or something um, somehow. Who knows? And I'm wondering, though, like, will that mean that the teams will get some more cap space in order to go have a little bit of a deeper roster um, I mean, to, in order to be able to, to handle a condensed schedule and an in-season tournament? I mean, to me, that's definitely an impact Now, whether or not, you know, the, the actual cap changes between you – know, it's not – you know, it's only two years, so it's not a lot of time. Uh, but it is more revenue for the league, so maybe some of that will trickle down to the clubs um, to allow them to spend on personnel. But uh, it's, I think it's it's a cool change. It'll actually make those League Cup games mean something so you don't have a team like uh, SKC who decided to play, you know, all uh, all backup players or, or, or rookies, lineup. right? Completely disrespectful lineup. Uh, so it, I I think that's a, a nice piece of news for the league that uh, I was quite interested in. Uh, the other piece of news that's going on, and it's a little bit closer to home, is uh, a lot of hype around El Pepe. The, uh, the you know, we, we've seen Ricardo Pepe kind of with his national team deb- debut, and then of course with what he's been doing in the league, we've seen a lot of interest. Uh, and now there's you know a lot of uh, news stories about clubs starting to ask about. Uh, whether or not Pepe is going to be available for for transfer or purchase, the hype train rolls on. It it does. I think everything's still pointing to, uh, you know, a more likely a summer transfer versus a versus a winter transfer. I know that uh, our good buddy uh, Steve Davis tweeted something out about having a conversation with Andre Zanata, um, Zanata saying that you know he'd prefer that Pepe was able to stick around through the twenty twenty two World Cup, right? Twenty twenty six. Well, yeah, Steve said 2026, but I think he later corrected himself and realized that, no, it's actually 2022. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, that's a long time. That is a long time to hold on to to a, a young player, but th- that is actually what I wanted to to bring to you, Dustin. So I think Steve's, Steve's point, I think this was uh, also, uh, you know, I saw on a couple of other uh, national writers, was is Ricardo Pepe better off staying with FC Dallas, where we know, you know, he's likely going to be a starter, get minutes, play competitively, or get moved on to a European club, uh, and you know, maybe be relegated to the bench like our uh, good buddy uh, Reggie Cannon. Um, that's a tough one. I mean, everyone, all the, the players will want to go test their medals. And they'll want to go over there and and see what they can do, whether that's the right call or not. I don't know. Like it, it's, 
it's it's really a gamble. It really depends upon the situation you land yourself in. I mean, look at Brian Reynolds. He went over and he went over to uh, Ro- Roma, and then there's a coaching change, and yep. so that completely changes the dynamic. Um, you know, and and I I kind of feel for Reggie because Reggie went over to Portugal. He desperately wanted that move away from FC Dallas, and now he's. Stuck, there's a free Reggie hashtag because like, a they haven't paid for him, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, but but b um, he he wants to move away and they're they're not giving him up. They're not letting him move on like they did with Albert Albert Elise, right? So um, you know it, it really I think it's situational. I think it really depends on the club that that comes a calling. And whether or not, like, I think if it's between going to Bayern and playing for Bayern 2, perhaps, um, rather than, um, you know, some some place where he has a better chance of actually getting minutes, I think minutes, any minutes are, are better than, any top league minutes are better than, than sitting on the bench or going to a reserve team. So um, I'd say if he, it's like, if it's going to a club like Bayern, stay here. If it's going to something, I think Ajax was rumored to have been at that Vancouver match, uh, scouting him. If it's something like that, who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's a possibility. Like that seems a little bit more of a place where it's feasible to get actually get in the first team and get minutes than it would be than uh, going to Bayern. Yeah, and, and I think the the timing here I think is just a bit of a unique piece because I think you know anytime a player is moving away, uh, you you there's always that risk of ending up someplace where the coach changes or there's a death piece you're not aware of, or that you just don't get the playing time because you're not used to, to the, to the playing style. Uh, this is a little bit different because, you know, in all likelihood, uh, you know, he would be moving, Ricardo Pepe would be moving, you know, potentially four, five, six months before the world cup starts and if that's if that's your goal as a player, right? If you're trying to showcase yourself, that's not the time when you want to go take that risk. I think yeah. that's why it's a little bit a little bit different in Ricardo's Pepe's uh, uh, situation than it would be traditionally. And hey, it's Jonathan, you're assuming the U.S. is going to qualify. I, I am assuming the U.S. <laughs> is going to qualify, and I'm also assuming that uh, the Pepe's going to continue to to play. Uh, I think both of which are 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 likely. So let's, let's, let's certainly hope so. But uh, it's, I mean, it's, if, if I'm Ricardo Pepe, I think it's something that I would definitely be keeping in mind is, you know, I want to make sure that that spotlight's on me, that transfer fee, if he did have a good world cup would be significantly higher than it would be beforehand. So it's, would kind of be a, a gamble that the player and the agent and the parents, et cetera, would have to make. That is a good point, Jonathan. Um, well, he is getting minutes for FC Dallas and he got some significant minutes against Vancouver on Saturday night. So let's switch over and, and get started talking about that match. I think, you know, this is Marco Ferruzzi's first match at the helm in the poached Lucci gang post Lucci gang era. Uh, and so the, the real question is going into the match. I think you hit it on the head um, before the, before uh, when we were talking, you know, offline is, what what is the difference or what what is the what's what changed with Marco Ferruzzi on in the helm if, if Lucci was you know needed a change then what what are what things is Marco going to want to do differently um 
And I think that, you know, you, coming into this game, you're, you're probably not going to see as many changes. I think they said on the broadcast, there's, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of time for wholesale changes in the next two matches, three matches. Um, but then there's an international break where they can really have time to actually make a bunch of changes. But we did, I think we did see some changes against Vancouver. Um, and did you see any that, that uh, stood out to you? So, the, I mean, the obvious changes were some personnel changes. Uh, but honestly, I think that those might have been more related to players being healthy again with Jimmy coming back uh, at goal. Uh, seeing Brisson at, at center back again, uh, probably the only one that was an exception was uh, Acosta, who has been healthy but just hasn't been playing a lot since he came back uh, from international duty, taking uh, taking Cervania's spot. So we saw some some personnel changes. Tactically, we saw some changes as well. But I was going to actually pitch it to you, Dustin, what? Because I'm of two minds because I, I saw some changes that that. I, tactically that happened during that match but what i wasn't certain of was whether that was because marco was playing differently or vancouver was forcing fc dallas to play a certain way um yeah so i i think the changes is is interesting because all they talked about in the press conference with uh coming with uh, getting rid of lucci was was changes defensively and you really didn't see a whole lot defensively that was different there were yellow cards. There was mistakes. There were like, there was there was lack of discipline. There was lack of concentration. Like all the like, all of the things that plagued Lucci throughout the season, they plagued Marco in in this match. Um, defensively, what what stuck out to me was how uh, the team broke out of the back. And whereas Lucci is a very preferred, a very methodical uh, movement of the ball up the field, there was a lot more line breaking passes with with uh, under Marco, and a lot of more urgency to get the ball up the field. And there's some like some quick movements, and and I think that was the the, the big difference for me. And the question of is that was that given to them, or was that the way? Marco wanted them to play. I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he wanted. I think you could see that the instinct of the players was to was to move the ball forward down the field immediately, and I think it just so happened to work out that Vancouver had a lot of space open that the FC Dallas players could get into and stretch stretch the field. Yeah. So there's. I mean, we could definitely see that intent of playing more of a, a double six which is something that this club had gotten away from it's something we saw earlier in this season especially away um from you know when lucci was coaching the club uh, and lucci had kind of moved more to a single six right instead of a double pivot we we did we did see that it seemed like acosta was the one who stayed back more um as that single six when when one of them would go forward the the piece that I saw was it seemed like Vancouver was really, really clogging up the middle and forcing FC Dallas to go more direct over the top, um, which is this is not the first time we've seen uh, 
an opposing team, especially when FC Dallas is playing away, take that approach. In fact, early in the season, before Lucci changed things up, that was often kind of the the way to shut FC Dallas down was really to clog them in the middle and force them to create off of, you know, a, a long ball to, uh, um, you know, Hader O'Brien. And that's, you know, that's not likely going to turn into a goal for FC Dallas. I think we, I think the team has proved that over a long, long number of games. So that was, that was the one where we'll have to keep an eye on it because I don't, I don't know if that was purposeful where they wanted to play more direct FC Dallas, or it was just that, there was no, you know, if they tried to play through the midfield, there was just no good lanes, right? They had to build up on the side. Yeah, I, I think the difference is that whereas under Lucci they would have, there would have been three, four passes to get from the, you know, let's take a goal kick situation, right? So Maurer kicks the ball over to one of the sides, to one of the center backs that's on the side of the box. Then he finds the the outside back. And then whereas under Lucci, there'd be like three or four passes to get up to ha- to midfield, there'd be maybe one or two. And then they'd shoot, shoot the ball up into Vancouver's side of the field. Um, and so, yes, they were forced out of the middle, but how they went about getting up the field was a little different. And, and it is more more verticality in the buildup than than uh, I guess the intricate Rondo style. Uh, yeah, you play. definitely didn't see a lot of the lateral movement that you would see in the back, right? So the the team wouldn't just kind of you know keep passing back and forth, hoping that they saw a break and then push it forward. So I would agree that that was likely more by design because uh, Vancouver wasn't really pressing that much. There was a short period of time where they pressed, but for the most most part in the match, uh, they weren't forcing FC Dallas to to quickly pass out of the back. So they had the opportunity to to go laterally if they needed to, but they didn't do it near as much as what we've seen in the past. Now, what's what's good is, I mean, they did get shots on goal, so they won uh, shot shots on goal seven to five, right? But uh, uh, you know, none of those went in. So in the end, you know, the, the real what really matters is this this the scoreboard. Um. And there was a, I mean, there was a, there were a couple of good opportunities from uh, from FC Dallas. There was one, I think, in the second minute where uh, Hardero Brian was 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 let loose um, and tested the keeper. And I think there was a, a a shot from Jesus Ferreira that that tested the keeper as well, kind of a, a top into the left. Um, but that was kind of it. Most of the other shots that were on target were, uh, yes, they were on target, but they maybe were trickling in and uh, were easy saves for the for the opposing goalkeeper. Yeah, the good news is, um, you know, that as the things looked a lot more, a lot brighter in the second half as they started changing the game and, you know, kind of started throwing balance to the, to the wind, you know, and bringing bringing some attacking options. They got more players in the box, and so there there were some more, uh, opportunity not opportunities but uh, moments that could lead to more opportunities, and you know it's the same thing that that kind of plagued FC Dallas the whole season it's, it's I mean this this game is no different than the whole season right is like get the ball into the box and then run out of ideas and you know I, I think it's kind of just how how it it felt it didn't I didn't even really you didn't really watching the game you didn't feel a goal coming on 
It just didn't feel like they they were going to be able to to turn that around. No, it, it, it felt like this was the the show we'd seen many times, and like we talked in the last uh, last pod, you know, Marco's getting an opportunity, but I mean, he's I don't know if he's being set up to fail, but he's definitely you know having eight games to try to make the playoffs or do something with this club. I mean, we've seen Lucci, so we can complain a lot of things about Lucci, but he's tried a lot of different tactics this year. Right, so he's tried the three in the back. He's tried more defensive. He's tried to play direct. He's tried to play up the middle. He's, I mean, he's unlike the last two seasons where he was going to play the same way no matter what. Um, this year, Lucci's tried a lot of different things, uh, which you know, unless the club was just completely giving up on him, uh, I don't know how a, a change in coach is going to really impact what happens on the day uh, of, of the match. And I think that you know this match looked. Honestly, like an early season FC Dallas match when they were playing a bit more defensive minded. Yeah, well, even then, um, you know, we saw with with the goal. Like, so I mean, FC Dallas lost one to nothing. Uh, that first goal came very early on in the match, uh, 20, 20th minute, I think, where Brian White slot, slotted home for the for the first goal, and it, it's again, it's a marking issue. You saw several times the. Ball run late runner into the box. Nobody picks him up, or he gets picked up late, or he's able to find space where there's nobody at. Right, so it's we thought that maybe that would be get better with Jimmy Maurer being back and being able to communicate more and being uh, more vocal, and with Brisson back as a vocal leader as well. But it still it still happened. This there's and I think that. The the challenge there is is the in the the really the big the big uh, thing that's hurting hurting FC Dallas is missing uh, Ryan Hollingshead and a lack of an established right back and I think I think those are that's a piece that FC Dallas is going to have to figure out um, as they go into the off season. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Emma can be serviceable as a right back. I don't know if he's the answer. Um, but yeah, they definitely need more depth at both left and, and right back. Right. No, no, Nelson really has been hurting him too. Uh, plus of course, you know, trading away, uh, a player in the middle of the season never helps either with Reynolds, but the, the biggest thing to me when I look at this and is that, you know, Marco Ferruzzi is, it, you could tell what he wanted to do was to try to rely a bit more on the more veteran defensive minded players. And I think what we've seen this year is that, those players had a really good start to the season. So you think about Brisson and Acosta, those guys were both fantastic for the first half of the season. Uh, and I think that they've kind of let the club down. And, you know, since then, and I didn't see any indication in this match that either one of those guys were, you know, ready to take it to the next level to to try to win this match. So it's, Yeah, they did not look fully engaged. No. Speaking, speaking, speaking of a couple of uh, veterans letting them down, I almost feel like it's perfectly ironic that how did the, how did this game end again? One uh, Franco Hara getting Missing a penalty, a penalty. kick. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you're right. It is not. It is ironic. It is poetic. It is all of the edicts and the icks. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know that I, I I actually missed. The, the penalty uh, in real time just because I was I was not at home I DVR'd it and my DVR cut off the the replays I've seen of the penalty 
I mean, you got to make them a little harder to harder to save than that. I mean, it's a good save, and the the keeper did well to choose a side and go after it. But like, if you're gonna, we saw Pepe nail nail penalties like that in the All Star game, and where he was putting it where the keeper couldn't even save it, right? And then you get Hara, who's the established is- guy. He gets he he made his he makes his mark off penalties like that's he scored also he scored in uh league mx last year or yeah so or the year before or whenever he played down there um and then to go out and do that uh just not not great i i think that the i mean it was it was the perfect synopsis for fc dallas's season um you know they get that they, they pull that <laughs> they pull the veteran guy to to make the the the, the big shot the, they leave the the hot young player in, not on the sideline. And he's still he's still playing, uh, but not taking the shot. Ricardo Pepe, who's you know leading this club in in goals, uh, and then yeah, ended up with a with a poorly taken kick, somewhat easily saved by the the keeper. And uh, FC Dallas ends up with no points on the road when they needed three. They they snatched defeat out of the jaws of a draw. Yes, they did. And uh, I'd have to say, although that you know, I'm I'm definitely a huge supporter of the club. In some ways, I was not disappointed because it almost felt like the right ending for that match. Because um, <laughs> I mean, in in reality, uh, at at that point, a, a tie versus a, a a loss doesn't make a lot of difference for FC Dallas. There, uh, they had to win. I mean, there's they now have to win out to even have a chance at making the playoffs. So uh, once, once it was going to be a tie or a loss, I think it really didn't matter a whole lot. So uh, it was almost, I almost chuckled when Hara missed because it just, (laughs) it felt, it felt so just on message for this club this year. It's just Um, on brand. It's on, it was super on brand, which is, which is, which is unfortunate. Nothing against Franco Hara as a person. It's just, Man, it's, it, it feels like there's been a, a, a few bets this club has made on the some of these veterans. Uh, they haven't gotten a lot of performance. Lucci tried to get some things out of the youth. Maybe made this club a little bit better than it could have been, right? But uh, in the end, right, it's just you know too little, too late. Yeah, and you know we've talked about it before. We t- we talked about it last week. This is kind of an audition. For not only Marco Ferruzzi, but also for some of the players who've who are kind of fighting for for the for you know for relevance going into next season, and you know are they these pieces that are going to need to be replaced? And I think one of the ones that was that we thought had turned around. What do you think about? I just want to talk about Obreon one for one second, and then before we uh, move on, but like coming off the 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 four goals or whatever in two matches. Um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a little bit of a flat performance from him. I actually thought he was okay. So the, the, the biggest problem that I've had with Javier O'Brien this season is more his decision-making than anything. Mm-hmm. And it felt like he still made the right decision. There was a couple of plays where he laid off to other players where they got an opportunity to shoot. I think actually one of the, the the Jesus shots on goal was uh, was a pass from Obreon. Obviously, he didn't get the assist because they didn't score. Uh, and then that that early test on the keeper, I thought. I mean, it was maybe the touch was a little wide um, before you know this in the second minute, but he still got it on goal, tested the keeper. I thought I thought he did 
fairly well. Yeah, obviously he didn't he didn't score a brace, um, so, but he was probably one of the better offensive players. So I'll, yeah, I'll give you that. Like so, by flat I mean like net flat. Um, offensively, he had some things going for him. He didn't fall down as much. Uh, he he was only offsides one time. Um, and he actually had some pretty decent crosses and good sweeping balls across the field. Um, defensively, he's still still a liability, and there were some really rough moments in the back with him. Um, and you know you don't want to rely on on your winger to be a defensive stalwart, but at the same time, like with a young back line and shaky in the back as as FC Dallas has been. He's been called upon far too many times to be to be a defensive, uh, to make a defensive play, and it's just not always there. Yeah, he's definitely picked up his effort over the last probably say four or five games. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great in this last last match. I would agree with you, Dustin, though, that there is kind of a it's like a grading curve when you're looking at a winger playing defense. And I mean, other than Paxton, who plays reasonable defense, I can't remember a good winger defender on this club in the last seven or eight years. I mean, Roland Lamar, Mikey Barrios, uh, do we we have it? I'm just like, are there, are there any good defensive, you know, Shabbat Shun, I think when we saw what happened when he played, uh, I mean, technically (laughs) I guess he played left back in this last match, but, uh, not really. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause they were chasing the match, but yeah, I, I think, there's there's definitely more to be desired there, but I kind of I, I do look at a player like that who's he's there because he's got skill, he's got speed, right, to test the back line, and he's gonna put a few uh, shots on goal. That's that's kind of his purpose in life for FC Dallas. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, just keep the back line of the opposition honest. It, it, exactly. All right. Well, um, Wednesday. So. Day after tomorrow, from from time of recording, FC Dallas is going to take on Sporting Kansas City at home. Uh, the first of a three-game homestand on Wednesday, the following Saturday, and then an international break. Uh, and then the 20th, LAFC comes to town. Uh, against Sporting Kansas City, I'm here's what I'm looking for from FC Dallas, and it's a question that I'll have going into the match. Um, and it's how how can they improve upon set pieces? I think set pieces have, has been a little bit of an Achilles heel for FC Dallas. They haven't really created a whole lot off of them this season and they've been punished by them more very frequently. It's, it's something that I I would like to see get shored up and worked on. Uh, However, it's a short week. They, They were off yesterday or on Sunday and then gives them a day to, to train on Monday and then, uh, a kind of a, I don't know. Do they have a little bit of I a think half they day do more Tuesday? of like a walkthrough on Tuesday, yeah, and then the game on Wednesday. So there's not, yeah, they're not they're not going to do a lot of practicing set pieces. I would expect. Well, hey, they're not very strenuous. You don't have to run very far on them. What's What's interesting to me, so over the rest of the season, not just the next two matches, is I feel like there's two different approaches for this club, but unfortunately, they're kind of almost inverse uh, from each other. One is you have Marco Fruzzi who wants to prove himself 
and prove that he can take a defensive approach and win some games, right? Which is going to be very much focusing on your on your veterans, right? Doing things to not take a lot of risks. And then we have the other side of the house, which is, hey, this season's over. Let's figure out, let's test out some of these young guys, let's get them some minutes. Let's see what we can do for next season, look ahead. Uh, and and I, I feel like those things are almost polar opposites. And it'll be interesting to see where the club goes. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, with you know, Marco is the the coach, right? He's probably going to lean more towards trying to get some wins. Um, but I don't know if that's the best thing for this club. I think the best thing for this club is to to try to improve players for for next year, right? This year's yeah seven seven games to continue to uh, to build upon the skill set and, and and train some things and think about next next season. Well, if you if you were to listen to the ownership. That's still in play, Jonathan. Playoffs are still in play. And while if they're still in play, I fully expect them to try to go out there and make that happen. Um, I, I think if we're going to see – if we if FC Dallas drops two of the next three, two of the next four, um, I think we start seeing more young young kids come in for sure. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, always is interesting to see what happens. Not always fun. Not always uh, happy, go lucky, good time. Always interesting. It's like that old, old ancient curse. May you may you live in interesting times. And of course, I mean if if the the club's not enough, right? We have Willie Nelson coming in concert Saturday night, so all the oh, Willie fans boy. can come out and uh, you know show up late to the FC Dallas game like a good true FC Dallas fan, uh, and then stay late and watch Willie Nelson. Sounds like sounds like a good time to me, uh, but th- that FC Dallas could play spoiler to a good concert. Yeah, hopefully they don't. I actually, have no problem with with those who. That was my original plan. Unfortunately, I had some personal stuff come up, so I won't be able to go to uh, the next two matches. I'm actually was a little bit disappointed. I was kind of eh, not a not a Willie fan, but I uh, wouldn't mind uh, getting a chance to to see him. Who knows how many times he's going to come through uh, uh, through the Dallas area again? But uh, it'll be, you know. One more thing, I guess, to be excited about, you know, when you're when you're going to the to the match on Saturday. Yep. In in the meantime, we can we'll be on Twitter watching for Ricardo Pepe news and and rumors. That should that should at least keep us entertained. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a never ending set of rumors for the next probably six months before he finally leaves because I think we've learned now when when's the last time a player actually moved quickly from this club? No, I, I can't remember it. So. No, it's oh, well, it, weeks sorry. and weeks of rumors. And sorry, I, I can't. I can remember it because it was uh, it, it was me asking Lucci a question about, hey, so what's happening with Cobra? <laughs> but that was a very different situation. <laughs> I was thought you were going to say about Castillo. Oh well, that one too. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much does it for us tonight. And on this episode, you can catch us online as at Dallas Soccer Show on Twitter and be a part of the conversation there. We're on the interweb at DallasSoccerShow.com and TheStrikerTexas.com. For Jonathan Roz, I'm Dustin Nation. Thanks so much for listening.